This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, my name's Daryl Ong and you tune in to Bar None, the show that brings you through the ins and outs of the sporting world. As our Harimau Malaya wraps up their World Cup and Asia Cup qualifying campaign in Dubai, much has been said about naturalisation in football and the three players in particular in the squad that switch allegiances. In addition to Gambian-born Mamadou Sumari, who's pretty much a familiar face in the local scene, recent naturalised players include Brazilian Grahami de Paula and Liridon Krasniki, who hail from Kosovo. This has caused some debate with local fans and pundits, uh, even one of the greatest players in Malaysian history, Tato Santok Singh, even spoke out against these naturalised players, saying that these players are not making much of an impact on the pitch. That being said, naturalisation has worked well in Europe and even in the region with countries like Qatar and China, and to a lesser extent, Singapore and the Philippines. Is player naturalisation a quick and easy fix, or is it a long-term and sustainable plan? Harish Dio, editor of 2213, and Khalilo Rahman, grassroots sports activist and founder of Padang Bola Sepak, joins us on the programme this week. Naturalisation is a person who's not born there, who is given citizenship to play for the country. I mean, it's as simple as that. Mm. Uh, the process, however, is not as simple as that uh, because, you know, you've got to go through the inflation context, for example. You've got to go through the home ministry. Um, you've got to have certain criterias. Uh, that criteria, however, has been a point, uh, you know, many people have been questioning that particular point uh, simply because there are a whole lot of people out there who have contributed much more, who spent longer years in the country and are still not able to, you know, secure their citizenship. Mm. So, but that's a, another conversation for another day, lah. Mm. Yeah, and I guess it's important to this the to to differentiate, right? The the naturalized players and also the heritage players. We have some, we have a bunch of players in the squad now that um, are heritage players. Maybe can you just explain about that? that so, sorry, before Carl takes that, I need to thank you, Daryl, for actually pointing that out because we have to make that clear distinction. For sure, yeah. Naturalized and heritage. Mm. How? I think uh, what Harris uh, is spot, uh, what you guys said just now was spot on because uh, we can't have a that definition because every time that we go into some particular topic, uh, everyone has their own different definition of what is A, B, and C. So we have to clear the air first, uh, what is uh, nationalization and also misheritage. So misheritage, basically, you have your ancestry, your parents, uh, or one of your parents or your grandmother and so on and so forth who has a, a relationship to Malaysia. So that qualifies for being part of uh, being getting the, the citizenship. Hmm. Um, you know, is it a shortcut or a long-term process? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, for heritage players, I guess there's no problem there, right? They have Malaysian hmm. blood in their veins. But for naturalization, this has been a topic that has been bantered around for years now, right? Is it on? Is it off? And it's finally here. You know, um, what do you guys think? You know, we have three naturalized players now. Do you think we are? Um, is this a shortcut to success, Harish? You, you know me. You see, I, I wish I can be like, you know, most people who can just take a stand. Yes or no. Yeah. But if only life is that simple. Yeah, life not black uh, and white. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's not. Okay. Um, so we go back to the, before I get all philosophical and, you know, take too much of time. <laughs> let's, let's go back to the question. Yeah. Mm. Naturalized player. Um, I know there's been a lot of debate about it, but it's nothing new. Uh, perhaps new to certain people in this country, but it's not new. 
you take a, 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 a country as big as Germany, for example, a population of almost triple of ours. I think their population right now is about 83, 84 million. And uh, yeah, they've got naturalized players. They've had naturalized players. A whole lot of players, you know, are the Austrians, uh, you know, Polish. Uh, they were born from there. They even had Brazilians playing for them. Yeah. Mm. Um, and this is a country, a football, one of the best footballing nations in the world. Uh, proper development program. I think their, their grassroots training is, you know, among the best, if not the best in the world. So how do you explain that? Um, I, I think um, this whole concept of naturalized players and this whole criticism over natural, having naturalized players, I think it has to be taken in the right context and not just in the spirit of, oh, you've got Malaysian blood in your veins. Right. Let me just point this out to you, yeah, Daryl and also Carl. I know of certain people who claim to be born in this country, but yet their patriotism or their loyalty to this country is seriously doubtful. And, you know, uh, I'm not defending the move to naturalized players. Um, neither I think it's fair for any one of us to just dismiss these players as not being loyal to the country. Yeah, I, I think we need to look at things at a bigger picture in a more holistic way mm. and not just saying, oh, yes or no, black or white. Yeah, It's not you. as easy as that. Got you. Talk. I wish it was, but it, wasn't, it isn't. Mm. Uh, agreed, because uh, the, 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 when we step back, you know, we ask ourselves, how do we get here? Mm. You know, how do we, how do we get here uh, at this point of time? Uh, have How long has we has our football been stagnated? For how long? 30, 40 years? Uh, it's because we don't really have a solidified plan towards of what makes Malaysian football, Malaysian football. Because the system is so much um, top-heavy, uh, there's not a proper uh, grassroots uh, solidifi- solidification, you know, that doesn't trickle upwards towards uh, contributing to the national setup. For example, uh, I think on Twitter spaces and on Clubhouse, there's a lot of conversations over there about the black and white aspect and also the grey areas. You know, Macam, for example, there are certain people uh, who are taking a stand, naturalize uh, certain players, uh, if only when it's deemed necessary. Because, for example, if we had a string of bad luck uh, in terms of positional players, then obviously if the solution is there to naturalize, then, you know, you have to take the conviction of whether you want to pull the trigger or not, uh, or maybe give uh, take another risk with uh, someone who doesn't have any experience in our, from our own pool of talent. Hmm. It seems to be the quick and easy fix. Quick and easy fix because it's the only stopgap solution for that particular period. Right now, I mean, look, let's not kid ourselves. You know, each time when we speak about this, it's like a broken record. We we keep speaking about the same thing. And this is like what Carl mentioned earlier, a predicament that we've been facing for the past 30 years. Mm. You know, so I, I really hate this going back to history uh, you know, uh, memory lane kind of thingy. We learn from the past to move forward, but clearly we've not learned from the past. And what Carl mentioned earlier about grassroots, that's spot on simply because there's so much of emphasis at the top and it's not just a football dilemma, it's across all sports. Mm-hmm. Then the fixation seems to be at the top. We fail to realise that if there is no emphasis placed at the bottom, mm. how on earth are you going to find new players, new talents? How, mm. and, and naturally, the only way to ensure that we have a formidable side is to get a bunch of naturalized players. Mm. So it's a stopgap. It's not a long term. You know, some people will ask, I, I've been asked this question multiple times. 
oh, is this a long-term plan? How can this be a long-term plan when you look at the ages of those naturalized players? Yeah. Yeah. They're trying to say that, what, they're going to be playing under 50, 60? Yeah. So it's not a long-term plan. It's a stopgap measure because they don't have a solution at the moment. Mm. Additionally, it's reflective of the standard of our league as well. Yeah, our league has been a subject of debate for a long time. Yeah, man. <laughs> uh, back back to the point you you brought up, Kao. You know that I guess there is a, a grassroots, you know, kind of like plan. It's just not effective enough, I guess. Um, that's why naturalization has has to come into play. But that being said, though, guys, watching the football now, uh, it seems like this squad is a bit more promising and a bit more competitive as compared to you know recent years. As a result of this, you know, more fans and more eyes are now watching. The Haramal Malaya. What are your thoughts on this? The the team was great during 2018 until 2019. Obviously, 2020 came, yep. but uh, we failed to be prepared uh, to be better prepared. Football authorities have taken more responsibilities to do more uh, throughout the whole pandemic. Uh, for example, there's a lot of, um, of debates on online. You know, interacting with people from all across. That that should be better. You know, better preparation. You know, should have started centralized training early on. Should have gotten the lead back uh, running when the cases are low, um, and so on and so forth. And you know, get the SOPs ready for 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 not only just football but the whole of sports. Mm-hmm. So, we wasted what 15, 16 months of competitive football, yeah. uh, and we we saw the results uh, throughout the campaign. Um, Harry, using Singapore as example, they are in my memory at least one of the first few. Uh, countries in the region at least to use naturalized players. I remember watching a match where they had a Yugoslavian forward, a, a Chinese national at centre-back and it was blowing my mind, you know, they're playing against Malaysia, full-blooded Malaysians. It did bring them short-term success, you know, there were, there were glimpses of victory and glimpses of the glory days but in the long run, as we see today, it didn't really affect um, the football culture in Singapore. If anything, it has gone down. Um, I guess this shows that it's a move that does not always work. Okay, let's look at it this way. Yeah? When you bring in a naturalized players, uh, a player, naturalized player, it's not necessarily the results on the field. It's about the hype it creates as well. Mm. Okay? It's about getting people excited back again about football. And it goes back to what you said earlier um, before the question was thrown to Carl. You mentioned that there are more people watching, you know, uh, more eyes on the national football team. I would, I would like to ask you, Dado, how do you justify that? Mm. Because I think there were more people watching football um, back in the day mm. than there are today. Mm. Because there were less distractions, number one. Number two, if you're going to look at the population, the difference of population then and now, uh, perhaps if you actually do a proper... I, I don't know, but if we actually did a proper study, uh, we'd be surprised to actually note that there would be more followers then than there are mm. of today. Mm. See, what, what the noises we hear on social media, and I use the word noises because most of the time it's just noises, um, does not reflect the true sentiment um, of, of what happens uh, on the ground. You know, I mean, everyone is a fan boy on a, a, a Twitter or Facebook, but how many of them actually go to the stadium? How many of them actually watch the mm. matches? How many mm. of them invest in their local clubs? Mm. You know? Uh, and, and one thing about local clubs, and the other thing, how many of them invest in uh, uh, grassroots football. Mm. Ask Carl. You know, yep. everyone talks Everyone talks about the elite, but no one talks... You know, everyone speaks about naturalized players. We don't have talents. How many people out there push their kids to play football? Mm. How many Thank people you. sign up their kids for football? And, you know, we are not tra- thinking of making the next Muktadhari or the next Arumugam or the next uh, Santo or Chin Ans and, you know, and whatnot. No. We're talking about building a sporting nation so that people know how to fall... People know how to kick a ball. 
Mm. People know the meaning of playing not solo but with a team. Teamwork. Yeah. To answer your question, I'm sorry I digress a little bit, but to answer your question, um, sometimes you use this opportunity of having naturalized players to spice up the team, to spice up the interest. Mm. But there must be a plan. Mm. Correct. That's that's a stopgap measure to get people excited, so that more kids will be sent to academies, more people will be involved in social, uh, you know, football. Um, you build a sporting nation, and hopefully, you expand the talent pool. Harish Dio and Khalilo Rahman joining us on the program this week to talk about player naturalization and also whether the grassroots are being ignored. More of that conversation coming up. Do stay tuned. My name is Daryl Ong and this is Bar None, only on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, my name is Daryl Ong and you're tuned in to Bar None, the show that brings you through the ins and outs of the sporting world. This week on the program, we've been speaking about naturalisation in Malaysian football with journalist Harish Dio, editor and co-founder of 2213 as well as Khalilo Rahman, a grassroots sport activist and founder of the web portal Padang Bola Sepa. Naturalization in Malaysia seems to be a long-term plan included as part of the FAM Roadmap F30 and using Qatar's exploits at the 2019 Asian Cup as a barometer, a 23-man team powered by naturalized and heritage players stormed through the group stages and eventually ended up as champions, beating Asian Mammoths Japan 3-1 in the final for the nation's first Asian Cup victory. A full or majority squad of naturalized and heritage players, could this be a possibility for Harimau Malaya in the distant future? Kyle and Harish joins us on the program this week. No, to be honest, because I think there, uh, there may be an aggression towards... Uh, you know, having more Malaysians playing uh, for other more homegrown talents that are playing for the national team. It's going to be very interesting to see how clubs, um, you know, react mm. to all of this uh, that's been going on because it's, uh, it's a reflection, you know. The teams who are playing in the league, they're also a reflection of, of the national team. So we got to see how does the clubs uh, respond to it. Obviously, around this time, uh, Tan- Coach Tan Seng Ho decided to take players that he he, uh, he he trusts and so on and so forth. You know, obviously, there's a lot of arguments saying that uh, they should have taken players from Trigano, some Sabah, uh, to represent the national team. But obviously, because it's the you know three three game campaign to qualify for World Cup or Asia, yep. uh, he needed players to trust. But however, if if the situation was uh, flipped, you know, where we got in uh, players from Trigano, players from Sabah. Uh, who, who are very much well on form uh, compared to the rest of these players who are currently uh, on the national team duty, it could be a different story. Yeah. We, we, we could be t- talking about a different story right now. Mm. And onto a point you, you made, you know, uh, the local league has been filled with foreign players as well. You know, um, Harish, how much of this aspect has pushed, you know, and made naturalization uh, some, 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 something? Or, you know, um, has these players done more? good than harm for local football. Why do teams invest in foreign players? They believe that they need some form of additional firepower. Usually you see these foreigners coming and, you know, lining up the front, the attack position, the, 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 strike, the strikers, you know. They believe that the locals don't have that. 
that extra edge, they believe the foreigners of that. So they want instant success. It goes back to the ecosystem whereby mm-hmm. presidents who helm the associations have only a term or two. You know, so what they do is they want instant success. Mm-hmm. Let's take Kuantan for example, the Red Warriors. Remember, at one time when it was under yep. uh, Anwar Musa, it was wow, the biggest thing on earth, and suddenly it's like oh, mm-hmm. everyone has forgotten about Kuantan. You know. What what we need to do is we need to move away from this this periodic kind of achievement and ensure some mm. form of consistency. Yeah, and and the consistency is lacking uh, in 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 today's uh, uh, football. That thus you see a lot of people just hiring foreigners, and sometimes it's quite amazing to see the same foreigners just going and playing in different states. Yeah, yeah. The, the Malaysia tour. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like the Malaysian coaches as well. Mm. You know, same yeah. faces, different. <laughs> so, mm. what what we need to ask ourselves is: Look, do we want short term results or do we want long term results? Mm. How many states associations are actually you know uh, right. doing uh, grassroots development? Mm. How many states associations are working with people like Carl and and the the, the rest of his uh, colleagues or peers in the industry? Yeah. I can say zero. Carl, I can speak on your behalf. I'm pretty sure uh, no one has approached you. Or uh, there is. FAS. FAS. Oh, well, so, well done to FAF Selangor. But the rest, if only you can see what how Carl's face right now. <laughs> <laughs> Big ups, FES. Uh, another thing to, to note also, um, there, there was a statement by ex-national uh, striker Safi Sali, who famously won us the AFF 2010 uh, yeah. Cup. Um, uh, he said about this current crop of naturalized players, the three of them, that with all the hype that goes around them, the fans must reduce the expectations of them. Is this a fair thing to say? You know, are we really, as Malaysian football fans, expecting too much? Fans always expect too much. <laughs> Believe me, I'm an Arsenal fan, so <laughs> we expect a lot. <laughs> uh, so, no, I mean, like, but like, like, like going back uh, to reset that, um, I think fans, uh, since the pandemic started, the psychology is like we're, we're clinging to getting a bit more hope and optimism. So obviously, after that, that, that adjective of like, we haven't seen a friend for a very long time, the, dis, uh, the distance uh, warms the heart. Mm. You know, mm. so but, um, uh, we haven't seen the team play for 560 plus days. You know, so obviously the last time that we played against Indonesia, we won 2-0 and then we won against uh, Thailand in the previous game. Yeah. So in our minds, we're on the rise. And, you know, the national team's awesome. Yeah. You know, mm. and then reality hits, and obviously we had to, you know, take our expectations uh, back. Like then, obviously, uh, one thing uh, again, going back to a point early on, is that we for- we forget. You know, all these other nations, they they got their football preparations better compared to us. So obviously, what Safi Sali said was, uh, you know, correct. You know, we have to uh, take that. Apple, uh, we have to take a realistic expectation because when we look at the timeline. You know, there wasn't much preparation towards uh, this uh, campaign. So there has been questions towards uh, football authorities, you know, sporting authorities, you know, um, about this whole preparation. Fans expect more from, especially the naturalized players. I think uh, fans would naturally expect more from everyone, especially so the naturalized players, simply because they were given a ticket to play for the country. Yeah. I, I don't know. I look at it at a very uh, non-football point of view. The fact that you're given a citizenship, mm to do something for the country. I mean, to me, that's a big deal because, you know, as a journalist, I, I come, till today, I still get, you know, queries from people saying that, hey, my mom, my grandmother, my grandfather, my uncle, my auntie, we have not received our 
our you know our citizenship you know what do we do where do we go so forth and so on but here you get people who are blessed just by football and and they get a citizenship so for me that is a big deal and uh, yeah when then you expect them to actually perform but here's the thing uh, you, you know playing at the club level you you see these players perform at the club level at the, at the state teams and then suddenly when they go to the bigger stage they don't really perform why you know there are many factors uh, at the club you get too comfortable you know, you're playing with the same right. players playing with the same team here it's different team set of teammates mm. different pressure different atmosphere and trust me when i say this i've spoken to some athletes as well and they are missing the fans solely at the stands um they, they miss playing in this really you know huge packed jam packed stadiums because they say that's that's where their adrenaline goes up you know they get pumped up you know playing with just a few fans you know with uh, I, i think the players are more louder than the fans you know they, they get a bit uneasy so things like this you have to consider as well um having said that it's not an excuse it's not an isolated issue because other countries other parts of the world are also facing the same yeah, yeah. as well other players as well like i said i wish you know it's as easy as yes or no black and white they're useless or they're good but no it's 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 not like that life is not as straightforward as you want it to be i, I had a player tell me once sir uh, after scoring a goal he ran around and he came back home and he told himself i felt like a fool yo <laughs> 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 I just did it. Yeah, he said I just did it. But then when I came back and when I saw the replay, I was like, "Oh my god!" That's so stupid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, guys, talking about the footballing, this this foreign ten, no doubt, you know, they're skillful and, for like a better word, a cut above yeah. the local players. Um, training with them will give them, I guess, the local players, like you mentioned, Harish. You, you tend to push yourself more when you see someone's better than you in the pitch. You, the local players would, um, try to reach that level i guess is this a sound strategy to lift the performance of the homegrown players and talents just throw the foreigners in there let them show you how to do it and then hopefully you get there is that a sound strategy not all foreign talents that come and play here are better than our locals to right. be honest mm. okay yes they are bigger in size sometimes are more muscular um, that's good training for our because when you you know knock yourself against these people when you play against them you you got a feel yeah. um, but skill wise I think we've got a lot of homegrown talents who are equally good, if not better than than these imports. Mm. Yeah, but uh, moving forward, um, do they add value? Look, we've been having foreigners in our local leagues for the longest time ever, for decades. In fact, how how has that turned out for us? To speak about the league and league alone, and once again, we are falling into this trap. We keep talking about the elite. We t- keep talking about the leagues. We are not talking about the real leagues, which is the social leagues, yeah. which is the grassroots leagues. Yeah. You know, to make any change, it has to be from there. Anything beyond university level or beyond secondary school level, there's no point talking because that is the product of that ten, twenty years that they've spent at the childhood. Hmm. If we were to right. want, if we want to make any changes, it has to be eighteen and below. Right, and not only uh, footballers, you know, but even uh, talents like referees, you know. Hmm. Um, You know, people are like coaches, physiotherapists, and so on and so forth. You know, people need to get this exposure and opportunity. But however, you know, there's there's, there's definitely a disconnect between the uh, the final room and the uh, and the grassroots. Okay, uh, Daryl, I give you a classic example. Yeah, since we are subject of this, hmm. Carl, how hmm. many girls sign up? Okay, uh, for Panamalaysia Partner Program, yeah, uh, we have a database of six thousand, and out of that six thousand, twenty five percent of them are female participants who signed up. You see, so this is what we want to hear. 
Mm. We want avenues where girls feel safe to play football. They are encouraged to play football. They know that you see. Once again, we fall into that trap. When we talk about football, we think about the national team, and when we think about national team is always about the guys. We forget it's also the girls. Yeah. Yep. Mm. We forget that at the grassroots, there's also the girls, and most often than not, the boys always get the attention and not the girls. This is something that needs to be corrected because we are talking about football, regardless of gender. Th- these are things that need to be paid much attention to. And when you talk about football, what's the use of having the best football? What do you call a guys' team in the world, but men's team, when the women's team are like, you know, left behind? It has to be at par. Mm-hmm. Look at all the football developed nations; they have a proper, uh, what do you call, uh, women representation in their sport, yeah. regardless of what sport. So it's the same with us as well. Not just the women's team, right? But the women's league as well, and and, and things right. that, that the whole with. ecosystem. Mm-hmm. I think more Everything. importantly, yeah, to have a space where it's safe. And where women are encouraged to hey kick a ball, mm. come yep. kick a ball. It's fun. It's okay. You know you're not going to be judged. You're not going to be like oh no you're a girl. You're not supposed to be playing football. No such rubbish. Allowed to be played. Allowed to express themselves. For sure. Uh, last question, yeah. guys. Kawi, you work in grassroots, so you know the things. Uh, you know what's happening on the ground. Looking at our national team again and back to naturalisation. How do we find the ultimate balance? You know, should there be a cap of you know how many players we can naturalize? How do we find the balance between these talent and our homegrown players? I I hate to use the word balance because balance you're like macam trying to like macam this or that this or that. I think what we should be aspiring towards is mindfulness. You know, look at the situation, look at the current situation, what's going on. Okay. Decide with the resources that you have, the data that you have. And what kind of execution that you want to put? You know, for example, uh, if uh, for example, like I don't, let's just theoretically live in this fantasy land that Malaysian football is like uh, top fifty in the world. You know, that would be and nice. We, yeah, that would be fantastic. But however, we realize that oh, uh, do we couldn't take that step up because of maybe a goalkeeper situation? You know, because we do not have uh, because the modern day game dictates that we need a goalkeeper who is maybe six foot taller taller than six foot, you know. And then let's just say that, um, you know, we look at the, at the pool of academies, and for some reason, you know, Malaysians, you know, all over Melayu, China, India, Iban, Kadazan, semua tak boleh pergi ke six foot for some reason, you know. And then deliver the opportunity is there to naturalize a player who is maybe six foot five. You know, he is interested to play from Malaysia. And maybe, you know, I think this could be an even fantastic narrative not only Malaysia is chasing him, but several other countries are chasing a, right. a prospect. So, and then in the mindfulness of the situation, you execute. If that player decides to join Malaysia, then it's, it's the bonus for us. So, it's more about mindfulness of the situation, mm. you know, rather than thinking about balance or whatever. I think balance, for me, is a bit overrated. It's more towards the mindfulness of the situation. I think Carl has uh, summed it up pretty well. Mm. Uh, you know, it, it's not as simple as one plus one equals to two. So, yeah, uh, but having said that, let's not um, get derailed over what the real objective is. And I think the real objective is to actually push the standard of football to a whole new level. And that means revamping the whole system from top to bottom, or rather say emphasis is from bottom to top. Mm. So, um, you want to naturalize players, you want to, you want to go on a scouting spree, you know, you, you, you can spend so much of time scouting for talents that are playing, uh, you know, abroad, invest in the same time scouting for talents who are playing in, you know, Sabah, Sarawak, you know, Terengganu, Kelantan, Perlis. If the states were actually uh, committed 
to such talent scouting. And we are talking about from the daerah, daerah. It is a very simple concept. It is a school, zone ke daerah, daerah ke negeri, negeri ke negara. Same concept. That was Khalilo Rahman and Haris Dio joining us on the program this week to talk about naturalization in Malaysian football. If you'd like to revisit that panel session, do remember that the podcast for today's episode will be up real soon on our website, www.bfm.my forward slash bar none. If you'd like to get in touch with us, let us know your thoughts. You can tweet us at BFM Radio. My name's Daryl Ong. This has been Bar None, the show that brings you through the ins and outs of the sporting world. Join us again next week, only here on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.